0: Uh, I I began a little teaching we called uh, Your Blessed Life Now. Your Blessed Life Now. And I said the key word is now because the blessing that God has provided for us, it's irreversible. Uh, What Jesus did is irreversible. So you you are blessed. But we talked about the illustration, it would be like you are under an ocean uh, of water. IT'S NOT HITTING YOU, BUT IT'S JUST ABOVE YOUR HEAD, AND THERE'S A PIPE, AND THERE'S A TAP, AND YOU'RE STILL THIRSTY. BUT ALL YOU COULD DO IS JUST TURN ON THE TAP. SO THE QUESTION FOR THE BLESSED LIFE IS, ARE YOU TURNING ON THE TAP? ARE THERE THINGS THAT COULD could, could CAUSE RUST IN THE PIPE? ARE THERE THINGS THAT COULD CAUSE THE the TAP TO FREEZE THAT YOU CAN'T uh, TURN IT ON? And SO WE WANT EVERY PERSON TO ENJOY THE BLESSED LIFE NOW. I COULD GIVE YOU Hundreds of scripture verses about this, but I want to just give you one. 1 Corinthians 13 21, where Paul says, All things are yours. You say, Pastor, I want to serve Jesus. Can I go to university? Can I pursue a career in real estate? Can I uh, pursue music? Can I study at the conservatory? All things are yours. Everybody say, All things are mine. All There's no limitations. And he says, Uh, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, because some of them had favorite preachers, he said, enjoy them all. Uh, Or the world. Remember, we are heirs of the world. Some of you are looking to get out of this world. Uh, Paul says in Romans, we are heirs of the world. Or life, or death, or things present, whatever is here going on now, or things that haven't even been invented yet, things to come, life to come. All are yours. And you are Christ's and Christ is God. So there is the operating line, you belong to Christ. Everything is yours. There's there's no limitations. Many Christians don't see it that way. They see that they're trying to struggle through this life, and one day they hope to that Pastor Nathan is gonna do a nice funeral for them and they're off to heaven. Another soul rescued. No, while you are here in the here and now, you heaven has come to you. Heaven has come down and kissed the earth, and you got caught in the smack. And so, and when we think about this blessed life, in the first teaching I gave. I had that, we were talking about responding to it. And I shared one principle, and today I'm going to share one other principle. The first one I shared was, there's a powerful reality in putting God first. And we talked about it from the Old Testament, all the pictures of the first fruit and the firstborn, and how that is translated to the new covenant where we seek first God's kingdom. And where even they changed the calendar so the church began to worship on the first day of the week because Christ had been resurrected on that day and how they brought in the first fruit. And we talked about when people talk about tithing, tithing is not primarily 10%, though that applies. It's the first 10%. We talked about putting God first, that when God is first, everything else seems to come in order. But if God is not first, everything seems to go into disorder and chaos. And today I'm going to share another principle. I've never taught on this. I believed it. I don't know any other preacher that I've ever heard talk about this because it's frankly too dramatic of a scripture to quote. Most pastors wouldn't dare to preach on this verse I'm going to preach on because they think they will lose half the church. But I'm not such a fearless, uh, such a fearful, rather, person. So uh, there's something Jesus said here. It's so radical. It's so dramatic. Turn to a neighbor and says, this is your warning. This is your warning. It might be too much for you. And I call this the one thing that messes up everything. I didn't say the only thing. There could be several things, but it certainly would be on the top list of things that will mess up your life, that it, it won't stop you from going to heaven, but it sure will stop you from enjoying God's best in your life. So are you ready for this scripture verse? I've given you due warning. Are you all sitting down? Because and, and let's read it, not like like skimming over it, kind of so that the audience does really catch what Jesus said. Let's really read it. Matthew 6, 24, and I'll read it also in Luke later. No one can serve two masters. FOR EITHER HE WILL HATE THE ONE AND LOVE THE OTHER. HE'S GETTING QUIET ALREADY. OR ELSE HE WILL BE LOYAL TO THE ONE AND DESPISE THE OTHER. YOU CANNOT SERVE GOD AND MAMMON. NOT MUCH WIGGLE ROOM HERE. NO MIDDLE GROUND. HE SAYS THERE'S SOMETHING THAT IS COMPLETELY INCOMPATIBLE. YOU CANNOT SERVE. God and mammon. If you love mammon, you will hate God. You will despise God. And if you love God, you will hate mammon and despise mammon. Wow, these are opposites, mutually exclusive. Now, I understand why most preachers wouldn't want to preach on this because first of all, most people don't know what, what mammon is. I know what you're thinking right away. You're thinking money. Actually, there's a different word in the Bible for money, both in the Greek and in the Hebrew. Uh, But uh, the word mammon, we need to know what it is. Mammon is, uh, by some, uh, it's used both in Hebrew and Aramaic, the language that Jesus spoke, and in Greek, uh, for the, the, the God of possession or riches. So the word actually means that it is one of the words in the bible that are not translated you know mammon is not an english word there are certain words that the translators of the bible never have translated like the word apostle the word bishop these are all uh, greek words that have been taken on an english pronunciation same with mammon you always need to be cautious when they don't translate a word that can mean that something is held there kind of in the shade something is not clearly understood Uh, But but whatever mammon is, we can say that Jesus says, how how many think Jesus' words mean something? He says, you cannot. If you love and serve mammon, you will hate God. You will hate God's ideas. You'll hate God's economy, I would say. You will hate the way God does things. That's pretty strong. And I would say, by doing that, it's not going to be the blessed life now. And so, uh, well, what is it? But first of all, money and mammon are not synonymous. I'll put some teaching points up behind me so you can just follow along and copy those. Money and mammon are not synonymous. Uh, You know, money is not good or bad. Mammon is always bad. But money is not good or bad because we know, and I told you when I I kind of came from a background where we thought in our religion that money was bad and I I saw this book by a man called Gordon Lindsay and it was called God's Master Key to Prosperity and it had on the cover dollar bills and I was totally disgusted thinking how could any person who calls himself a Christian write a book and put a cover uh, with picture of dollar bills. I got very angry but nevertheless I bought the book. So I guess the marketing worked. And then I discovered to my utter shock and surprise that Abraham was rich. He was rich in everything. Isaac was rich. Jacob was rich. I understand that Job suffered great setbacks. He lost everything. But when God blessed him, he got twice as much back. So even the Job story didn't work for me. Then I found out that obviously Jesus had money because when they were going to feed 2,000, uh, 5,000 men, Jesus said, why don't you go and buy food? He didn't say, oh, we don't have money. He says, why don't you, he said, go, go and buy, it. go get them food. And they said, well, should we take 200 days wages? And then Jesus said, well, check out how much you have first. I found out that Paul had access to finances so that the governor kept Paul in jail for two years. This is in the book of Acts. For two years, he was kept in jail because the Roman governor wanted to be bribed. Well, if Paul was known to be some kind of poverty-stricken monk, no sensible governor would keep him in jail hoping for a bribe. What was the governor hoping for? Half a peanut butter sandwich? He was obviously looking for, for, for some, some, something substantial. Are you with me? So I say, money and mammon are not synonymous. Mammon, and I've looked at all, without going into all the different words, you could say like this. Actually, one of the words meaning mammon means idolatry. But you could say mammon is greed, trust in riches, pride, and arrogance. It's worldly thinking regarding wealth, riches, and possessions. We can say it from Jesus' word that money or, or mammon seeks to rule. Mammon wants servants. Mammon wants worshipers. Mammon seeks to take the place of God. Mammon promises you things that only God can give you like independence, significance. See, Mammon says, if you worship me, you'll be significant. You can go on Instagram and show those $3,000 sneakers to all your friends. They'll make you somebody. Mammon says, you bow to me and my way of thinking, you will be significant. But Mammon can't give you significance or freedom. Only God can. Mammon rules through fear. Even people who steal and take and are envious, it's rooted in fear. What if I don't look as good as everybody else? What if I don't have as much as somebody else? And so mammon is fueled by fear. That's why the Bible even gives us a scenario where there's a spirit of Antichrist that wants to control what people buy and sell, to put them in fear. That's that's an evidence of mammon. Mammon says that money is the solution. That's what Mammon says. Money is the solution. Kingdom people, everybody say, that's me. And you say, I'm not sure yet. Well, say it in faith. Say, that's me. me. I I said here, Mammon says money is the solution. Kingdom people says Christ in me is the answer. And, And this goes deep. Money says, Mammon says, you need to follow me so that you'll have the right house, the right car and live in the right neighborhood and then you'll be happy and you'll be fulfilled. You see, Mammon says that, you know, if you really want to help someone, you need money. You need money. Mammon says to this church and many other churches who believe what Mammon says, but we don't believe it. Mammon says, you know what you need in this church and ministry? You need money. No, we don't need money. Oh, you say, well, we took an offering. Well, we're not going to give it back to you. But I'm telling you, money is not what we need. Money is not the answer to the world. You know what the answer is? Christ is the answer. What we need is people who see Christ in them. Sometimes people, and they mean well, says, "Oh, Pastor Peter," they say, "They sound even spiritual." You know, I just know what this church needs is more millionaires. No, we don't need any more millionaires. Millionaires is not the answer. We need ordinary people who believe Christ lives in me, and all things are mine because of Jesus Christ. I'd rather get a millionaire, have a millionaire who started out knowing I have nothing but I have Christ and God, not my own ingenuity, has made me rich than to have millionaires who come with all kinds of baggage. But Mammon says, You need, Pastor, I'm praying that there'll be more millionaires. Well, we're not praying for this. Some some people say, Mammon will say this to you. We need to pray that somebody in the church will win the lottery. Oh, pastor, with all the undertakings all over the world and Bible schools being built and the expenses here, we we pray that somebody will win the lottery. That's mammon talking. Now I will say to you just for, 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 uh, I have to my knowledge, one occasion in my life where a man and woman, they bought a lottery ticket AND THEY WON $400,000, AND THEY BROUGHT A CHECK FOR 40,000 AS tithe. I WAS HAPPY TO RECEIVE IT. HALLELUJAH. YOU SAY, PASTOR PETER, YOU you TAKE LOTTERY MONEY. WELL, THE MOMENT IT CAME INTO MY HAND, IT WAS NO LONGER LOTTERY MONEY. IT WAS GOSPEL MONEY. SO so I'M SAYING, BUT WE'RE NOT PRAYING FOR LOTTERY WIN. Our, OUR SOLUTION IS NOT TO WIN THE LOTTERY. OUR ANSWER IS IN CHRIST. Money is not the answer. Christ in you is the answer. Amen. Amen. Uh, you, You see, God can help people without money. Are you with me? God can help people without money. Money is not the answer to everything. No, but Mammon says, you need me. If you have me, you will be satisfied. You need to come after me, Mammon says. But uh, God says, all things are yours. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been given to you. The father says to the, prodig- to the older brother who says, oh, I need to get something. I need to, get- I'm looking to get something. But the father says, everything that I have is already yours. You see, Mammon says, Cheat, steal, do whatever. God says, give and you'll receive. Mammon says, hoard, take a hold of everything, whatever you get, put it in the can, sit on the can so nobody steals it. But God says, the generous soul will be made fat. Mammon says, look out for number one, Selfish. God says, when you lay down your life, you will win it and gain it. Praise God. So, I'm still talking about mammon. Mammon is evil. Money is not evil. Mammon is always evil. There's the spirit, the, the, the worship. The, and, you know, we are so aware of that. I suppose other societies, other uh, generations have said the same thing, but we can surely say it today. We, we, we We are bombarded with it. People are evaluated on the basis of how much money they have. The spirit of mammon says if you're not having that, then you're not so special. And we can bow to that, which takes us in a direction where we are not living the blessed life now. We are living a life where we are striving and struggling and trying to make ourselves great rather than receiving the greatness that God has given us through Jesus. A scripture to support this, 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. See, that's one of the most misquoted verses. People say, well, money is the root of evil. Bible never says that. Everybody say the money, the Bible never says that. People think the Bible says that the, uh, money is the root of evil. The Bible never says that. Look, look at the verse. This is the verse. The love of money, which would be from the spirit of mammon, is a, not the only, but a root of all kinds of evil. So again, doesn't say that money is evil, but the, the love of money. And Jesus made it so clear. He said in the first verse that I read, he says, if you, if you love mammon, you'll hate God. If you're loyal to mammon, you despise God. Wow. That's what Jesus said. And, and, and so if you love God, you despise that small-minded, man-centered thinking. If we love God, we despise what mammon tells us. When mammon says, you are great because you have this money, or if you lived in that house, you would be a somebody, and if you drove that car, you would be a somebody. We despise that. We say, Mammon, you shut your mouth. You don't have no idea what you're talking about. I'm a somebody because Jesus Christ lives in me. I'm a child of a king and all things are mine. Oh, come on. I don't know if you're seeing this, but you can shout and rejoice. Let's go to Luke 16, which is a, a lengthier passage of the same truth. Luke 16. And I just go verse by verse there. Jesus says, I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when it fails, they may receive you into an everlasting home or habitation. So again here, let's just break it down. What is Jesus saying? He's saying mammon is unrighteous. But money is not. Mammon is unrighteous that whole spirit of fear and greed and envy and thinking they were something because of money, that's the spirit of the world. When we talk about prosperity, we talk about increase, we are not talking about mammon. We are talking about God's economy. We're talking about that God is our source. Let me say it again, God is our source. May may I speak to you very freely, not that I'm asking permission, I'm doing it already, but may I speak to you very freely? For the last two and a half years, it's been very difficult to teach in this church or any church in Canada that God is our source. Because everything around us has told us the government is our source. It was very difficult when everybody in the country was receiving a $2,000 check. And people couldn't get anybody hired to work. We still did it. Pastor Nathan did it. I did it. We preached God is my source. And you faintly clapped. We noticed the faint hearted clap. But you were polite. Thank you for that. I'm just saying that for two and a half years. It's been hard to driving home the point that God is your source. People couldn't get employees because people are home playing video games. Candy Crush, morning till night. That's a game, right? People were feeling rich. So it was hard to preach that God is our source. It was hard to preach. But we did it anyhow because we are not moved by what we see. But we could feel it. Nathan is sensitive. I'm almost as sensitive. I could pick it up. But we still go forward. Now it's quite easy to say this. Now suddenly, because, you know, six months ago, the newspapers were telling us on the financial pages that Canadians have more cash on hand than ever in history. But as of about three weeks ago, they're saying, Canadians are worse off than ever. It's amazing how quickly things can change. Jesus said, and I'm coming to that, that, that mammon will fail. But it's, For some people, it's already failed. Now we have inflation, 7.5%. It might go more. Many things are going to go much higher than that. Interest rates going up. People wonder, how, how I want to pay for my house. So now people say, oh, oh, maybe it's time to think about God. Well, God was your source, and I'm glad for every check you got from the government. Hallelujah. If they're giving it out for free, take it. That's not my point. My point is that it was a little harder to talk about this. But we knew that uh, that would end. You know, G- Jesus said this in the verse I just read, money has a time-limited usefulness, it will fail. I, I, I'm a student of economics to some degree. Do you know that 80% of the currencies we use today were not even, or 80, was 80% of the currencies that were used 100 years ago are not in use anymore. Money, you know, 10 years ago, Tina and I made a purchase in the United States, and we, when we made a purchase, we we. we Got more US dollars than the Canadian dollar. Not so right now. Are you with me? And chances are, 50 years from now, whatever currency we have now, it may not be around. Money is devalued. Money will fail. And at least I can tell you, the day we do your funeral, your money will have failed for you. <laughs> are you with me? But Jesus says it has a time limited usefulness, but nevertheless, a usefulness. Uh, Jesus also says, think of money as a tool for eternal purposes. Think about it as a tool. Use failing money. Use, it's it's going to fail, but use it to make friends for eternal purposes. I say, if Jesus can turn water to wine, he can turn money into people. Oh, some of you, that was too fast for you. He turned water into wine, and I'm not exaggerating the illustration, but basically Jesus says, you put, you use the failing mammon, you use failing money, you use that to win people, then you will have those people as your friends in eternity. So every time that we, we in fact, I forgot I was going to do it earlier. We are in a campaign for heart for the house. Can I, I'm supposed to be supposed to have two Sundays where we announce this. One Sunday was supposed to be today. Let's do it right now. Are you okay with me, Ema there, if I just interrupt that right now? I'm, I'm just in the middle of preaching here. But right now, that's what we are doing. That's why we have a heart for the house campaign because we believe that money can be invested in people and it should be invested in people. So let me very quickly show it there. Go very quickly here. I want to just uh, keep changing it. Keep changing the picture. Going to the next one. Okay, so some things we did in the previous year, 2021. Go to the next picture, and the next one, 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 and the next one. You see all the things we have done? Isn't that wonderful? Give Jesus a handful. Of work. That's what we've been able to do. But I wanted to go to this one. You say, well, that's the smallest group of students of all of them. Why are you focusing on that? That's our new campus, started in October in Papua. Why is it so small? Because we told them we can't start the school. Because of COVID, we couldn't start we can't advertise we can't market why because we know in that part of the world we have such a big response that we will probably have two to three hundred students if we made this public so they said can we just have a trial run of the school can we just have a trial run pastor peter we won't tell anybody the school is open i said if you tell people if we advertise we'll have two three hundred students so they said can we just do a trial run so we kind of just get through the routine of, of running the school so that's what you see there's about 10 or 12 students Are you following me? This is a part of our heart for the house. Let's go to the next slide there. And that's another one of our schools, but go to the next one. So this is what we believe in God for. You see the second thing there? That's just one of the things. World Impact Bible Institute, Papua, We're doing things here in the Toronto Pavilion. Uh, The Bible school starting here. I'm so glad students are applying from Newfoundland to Vancouver to come here to Toronto. Praise God to study. Let's give the Lord praise. Follow up for 50,000 new believers. Now, another thing here, and it it could happen if, if people respond, it could happen right away. Number three, you know, Everybody is giving for Ukraine. You go to the grocery store and say, can you give two bucks for Ukraine? I don't do it, not because I just don't know. It just seems like it goes into some giant fund and who knows, I, I don't know. I don't want to be overly skeptical, but I've seen enough. I've been to over 100 countries. I just, I said, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I, we haven't said much, but we always wanted to support believers. Those of the household of faith, and frankly, in Ukraine, long before this war started, you know, many believers like us had a pretty hard time. They had some persecution already. Well, it's so much worse right now. They lost their homes. So we have found a way. And so it could happen this week if people say yes, but we have a huge truckload of medication, of, of, of personal hygiene th- hygiene things. People have lost their homes. They've lost their, everything that's been bombed out. We have a truck ready to go right now and we have received all the material, but we need to send the truck there from Central Europe and Northern Europe into the border, and we have paratroopers to take it to pastors. So what we do is not going to some giant fund that, you know, who knows, wherever the groceries are, but it's going to pastors so that they can give it to people. But it's all part of Heart for the House. Come on, give the Lord a big praise. And, and so... Uh, we, we are saying, you, you know, we, we make friends for eternity, and we use mammon, we use money to do it, and, and you can see our goal there, and, and we really we haven't done well yet at all, but I hope we're going to do better. You turn to the next screen. There we go. That, that's, our, that's our goal, and so you see it. Okay, you can, you can go back to the normal screen. And so here's what Jesus was saying. Your money will not welcome you in heaven. I don't think you're going to have dollar bills welcoming you. But the people your money has won will welcome you. That's what's going to, Jesus said, make friends for eternity. And he says it again in Matthew 16. He says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth, moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So our heart follows our treasure. People say, I don't have it in my heart to do anything. Well, it doesn't start in your heart. It starts with an act of faith. You say, I'm going to give. I want to put my treasure into the gospel, and you'll find your heart goes to the gospel. Wherever you put your money, you know that's true. You get a new place to live. You're all excited. Your heart is in it because you put, it Cost you something. Well, put your treasure into the gospel, and your heart will be in it. And it says here, a treasure in heaven. In other words, you can, people say, hey, when you die, you can't take it with you. No, but you can send it on ahead. Turn to your neighbor and say, send it on ahead. See, that's why I'm a stickler. Whatever we invest in, it's got to be people. When we give, whether it's tithes, offerings, ultimately, it's for people. Jesus said that you can use this frail, failing mammon that will one day fail for all of us, but you can use it now and and, and you invest it in people. You bring the gospel to people and the people will welcome you in heaven. Oh, give the Lord praise for that. Now, Now... I can hear. I can hear somebody saying, "Well, but Pastor Peter, I hear what you're saying. You know, but I don't have so much of this unrighteous mammon. I don't have what I what I would do. What I would do in heart for the house wouldn't matter that much. Oh, you are special, you who have very little. You say I don't have much." you are especially blessed. Look what Jesus said about you. He said, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. I mean, God is looking for people who just have a little. So, he, so he'll see what they do with the little they have and then he'll give them more. Oh, come on, give Jesus praise for that. I put it in my note. God, But he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So it goes on the other side, the flip side. Well, what's the point here? God looks for people that he can trust with more. Can he trust you with more? Or, 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 or maybe it's better he doesn't trust you with very much. Who knows what would happen if, if God began to prosper you so that not mammon, but money came through your hands. We may never see you again. We'd say uh, to the, somebody, uh, where is Susie? Oh, she's got money now. She spent a weekend in Bahamas. Oh, that's wonderful. Then next week he said, "Have you seen Susie?" Oh, she's in Los Angeles this weekend. She she can't come to church anymore. So so we pray you keep poor. Or somebody said to Pastor Nathan, "Pastor Nathan, I believe in tithing, but it was easy to tithe when I was making three hundred dollars a week. I gave thirty dollars." But, but now God has blessed me, so I make 3,000 a week. It seems like 300 dollars is a little much to give to the church. Pray for me, pastor. Pastor Nathan being the ever loving kind pastor that he is, he said, let us kneel right here in the front. And he said, oh God almighty, you see my dear brother here and Lord, you have blessed him, but he's uncertain. He feels that maybe 300 is too much. So we pray, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you will quickly reduce his income, cause him to be fired. Maybe his whole business can fall apart. Oh God, I plead and I intercede with you. Pastor Nathan prays that that, that you will reduce his income to the level where he is comfortable. Because God is the God of all comfort. Now that didn't exactly happen to Pastor Nathan, but it kind of happened to me once, but I just wanted to pin it on him, all right? Are you with me? We want you to be comfortable, so let's pray about that. Say, oh, let's, uh, you know, let's uh, let it get less. But God is not looking for people who, who can handle less. God is looking for people who can handle more. Anybody can say, I'm in. Amen. Anybody involved in this? Oh, thank God for it. Now, now let's read a little bit more. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust to true riches? If you're not faithful in what is another man's, who will give to you what is your own? In other words, you can't trust non-givers. I work with all kinds of people around the world. But just because I work with somebody doesn't mean I trust them. I don't trust non-givers. If people, if people can't put God first, I, it's going to be something squirrely down the road. I just warn you. So if you're going to get any business with somebody, find out, are you a giver? How much do you give? Just, you know, some people say they give a lot, but they give a little, actually. I've always found that people say, oh, Pastor, I'm such a giver. I say, can you check the tithing record? I said, that's what they call a lot. Somebody else doesn't say anything. And we say, I can't believe how this person is giving. You know, some people, they are like a hen that lays one egg and cackle all night. (laughs) But others are like a tuna fish that lays uh, uh, three million eggs and doesn't say a word, just keeps swimming. Okay, move along. You see, true riches, money is not the true riches. True riches is eternal life, health, family, relationship, thank God. That's the real riches. The money is just a small thing, and, and, and it's faithfulness, faithfulness in money. That's important. You know, it, I say it like this: It's not how much we have that matters; it whose it is. Who does it belong to? You could have a five hundred dollars, and you could say, "I'm not going to let anybody touch this. It's mine. I'm squeezing the queen till she cries. I don't care. Don't you? You don't get near my money." Or you could have you could have five million. Or 50 million and say it's all because of God he gave it to me and he can call for it any time so it's not it's not a matter how much we have but whose is it and then he says again no servant can serve two masters either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and Mammon and so I'm saying let's rebel rebel against mammon. Mammon has robbed you of true increase and true prosperity. Mammon clouds our mind. We rebel. We say we hate you mammon. We love God. We despise your lies of unbelief and fear and envy and making us compare ourselves with others. We hate mammon but we love God and God's kingdom. Oh come on here. Let me hurry very quickly. You know, Mammon has a couple of cousins, co-conspirators, I call them, the spirit of poverty and the spirit of pride. Let let me illustrate it for you. Here's how it goes. These two cousins of Mammon, you have the spirit of poverty. These people always feel ashamed. They don't, they feel ashamed if they're blessed, if they have anything nice, they feel ashamed. I think preachers, you know, because preachers have been told by tradition that we should be poor, right? Right? So preachers, especially, I think in my own life, I've wrestled with the spirit of poverty because I was raised with that. You know, we loved it. when We had a preacher come to our church. He had holes in his knees. His pants had holes. And And people said, it's because he prayed so much. He's on his knees. We thought, oh. Maybe someday I'll have holes in my pants like that. Oh, that would be something. See, we we kind of glorify that. But then there's a spirit of pride that that kind of says, it's all mine. I did it. It's my ingenuity. It's my hard work. I'm a self-made person. So so you have the spirit of, of poverty, spirit of pride, and then you have a kingdom person. Everybody say, that's me. And so what's the kingdom person's response? The kingdom person says, I'm grateful to God. I'm not ashamed for what God has blessed me with, but I'm happy, and all the glory go to God. Amen. So this, you see, so, so here's how it works. So, for example, if you got a new new suit or a new dress, and, and maybe you have a little bit of a poverty spirit, someone says, "Oh, that's a lovely dress." That, oh, that's such a nice dress. The poverty person says, "Oh, I got it at Walmart on sale. It's nothing special. I usually don't buy." It. Now, the, the the person with a proud spirit says, oh, it's tailor-made in Tuscany, and, and, and I'm getting more from there. But see, the kingdom person says, I just thank the Lord. God is good. It's good serving Christ. You know, it, it, if you get a new car, and it's a nice new car, metallic paint, shining and sparkling, and and." and and someone says to a person with a spirit of poverty, oh, that's a very nice car. They say, oh, I really couldn't afford it, you know. It's really too much for me. I don't know how I can, I don't know. I got it on a special sale. I think it must have been bumped or something. You see, they always try to be a little, the proud person says, oh, yeah, it's okay, but I'm trading up again next month. Wait till I see. You see, they always try to make it seem better. But the kingdom person says, I'm content But whatever good things I have. It's from God. It's from God. God is my source. Whether the government is sending checks or no checks, my source is God. Oh, come on. What am I doing here today? We are breaking the spirit of Mammon. We are casting down that spirit of Mammon. You know, I told you about that one guy in our church. When I grew up, he, we, we had a lot of poverty spirit. I told you about him, but I'll tell you again, because it's such a good story. This guy only wears the same clothes every Sunday. Same pants, same shirt, every Sunday, every Sunday. Faithful, ushering, helping, best church member you can imagine. But people got, got tired of him wearing the same shirt and same shoes and saying, He never bought anything new. He says, I don't, I don't want to have anything new for myself. I just give it all to God. He said, That's wonderful. But people said, You could buy yourself something. So one day, he had bought himself a nice blue suit. I still remember it. Navy blue, because it was such a big deal. His name was Sven, sounds Swedish, right? Sven, everybody says Sven. Uh, He came in his new navy blue suit. You know, everybody looked like Sven. You look so handsome. Oh, I'm glad you got that suit and you look so nice. We all thought it was wonderful. And then he wore it next Sunday. And then we didn't see it again. So several months went by. And someone said, Sven, what happened to your new suit? Oh, he said, I felt proud. I burned it in the open fireplace. I didn't want to get pride. No, it wasn't pride. He was feeling shame, shame. Thank God we don't have Sven at, at the Toronto Celebration Church. But are you, getting, are you getting the picture here? We are breaking mammon's power. But we are saying mammon is evil prosperity from God is good. Can I hear an amen to that again? All right, okay. And and so okay, I got to finish on this. I got to 5 more minutes. I got to finish you. I can't talk about mammon the whole time. It's too much. So I found another M word that I really like. Multiplication. Everybody say multiplication. God's plan is not bondage under mammon, but multiplication under grace. I mean, Multiplication is a Bible word. Look at in Scripture. In Genesis one, God said, "It will multiply, fill the waters of the sea, fill the skies with birds and living things," and he keeps saying it. "You will multiply, you will multiply," and the church was multiplied. The, the, the reduction is not in God's plan. And then you look at nature. Last. Last fall, we have two oak trees. that grow close to where we live. Tina and I would sit and look at all the acorns. I'm thinking, how many acorns can two trees produce? The squirrels were working for weeks to collect the acorns. There must have been like 50,000, maybe not 50, maybe 25,000 acorns. I'm thinking to myself, God, when you made oak trees, you were not thinking small. I think if I had been the inventor of oak trees, I would have said, well... It'd be good if they produce five to ten acorns each, teach people to handle them all right. But God just everything is abundance. Even when you were born, you know, there was like a, a million sperms swimming uh, to make you happen. And one won. So you're a winner before you were born. Oh, come on. Give the Lord a big praise for that. I mean, that's it's just you begin to see this, say, God is big. And, and so God is a God of multi. Think about the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. Again, I said, Jesus said, you give them to eat. They said, well, uh, he said, we-, we could go and shop. But Jesus said, well, what do you have already? Well, he said, we have a boy here with five loaves and two fish. Jesus said, bring it to me. And then Jesus blesses the fish and the bread. And then he gives it to the disciples. That must have been very disappointing to the disciples. Twelve disciples get five loaves and two fish. That is five twelfths of one loaf per disciple and one-sixth of a fish. And these were like Sea of Galilee fishes. They're not very big. They're not tuna fish. We've seen them. We've eaten them by the Sea of Galilee. Tiny ones about the size of a frying pan. I could see them standing there saying, well, how is this going to help? I got less than half a loaf, and I got some some scales and fins or the fish tail or the eyes or the head. I don't know if how's is going to work? And then Jesus said, Well, I'll bless it. Just go. So they went. If you really read the story, you may have thought that that Jesus multiplied, so there was like a big truckload, kind of in, in central headquarter. There was a big truckload of bread and fish. And they did. No, it, it didn't happen. He blessed it. He gave it to them. And then they gave it. And it multiplied in their hands. The more they gave away, the more they had. Whatever they put in somebody's hand, there was as much in their own hand, and they kept giving till all were filled, all were satisfied. Not one was hungry, Sir, third, second, fourth, helping, whatever it was. Everyone was satisfied. (laughs) Hallelujah. What are we going to do about this? I mean, we can rise to the occasion of this heart for the house, or we can just say, "Ah, we don't want to do that. It's our choice. It's our choice. We don't have to bring challenges. We don't have to bring heart for the house challenges. We could just just have a little nice neighborhood club here. We could do some navel gazing every Sunday. Why look at the world? Why look at people? We could just twiddle our thumbs and looking at our belly button and say, well, I don't know. I don't think it's too much. It's tough out there. These are tough times, you know. We could do that. Or we could say, no, we are kingdom people. We need to be challenged. I tell you myself, I need to be challenged. I need, I'm not so spiritual that I don't need, challenge, I need to stretch. I need to believe God for more. I need to lift my eyes and see the harvest. Are you with me? Yeah. And so this is what we're doing. Everybody, most of all ourselves, a big favor by saying, let's break the spirit of man. But just three things here. First of all, it, it's come kind of very fast, very fast. And that is God multiplies what he has blessed. It wasn't multiplied till it was blessed. Jesus blessed it. That's why we bring in the Lord's tithe offerings on the first day of the week, if possible. We like to worship God. We like to put God first in our education and all kinds of things. Because it's just, when, 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 the, when the root is holy, the whole tree is holy. We read about that. Then the second thing is, God multiplies what we sow. It seemed to multiply when they gave it away. They had to give it away. And then it multiplied. And then the third, God takes what we give, multiplies it to us, and makes it a blessing to the world. Same story of the feeding of the 5,000. So it says, the boy brought the lunch basket. He brought it to Jesus. Jesus blessed it. He gave a portion to each disciple. So now each disciple, They could have eaten what they had and said, well, we're the disciples. We should eat first. We have the head table. Ah, but they didn't. They gave it away and everyone was filled. Every, that's what God does through our ministry. That's what God does through us. He takes what we give, what we release. He blesses it back to you. Your cup is full and running over. You are entrusted with, with greater and true riches. You are a steward. You multiply. Hallelujah. He who sows bountifully will receive bountifully. So God multiplies it to you. But that doesn't stop there. It blesses the world even those who gave nothing. All those people, 5,000 men, they didn't bring their lunch basket. They probably left it at home. But God blesses it to all of them. And that's what we are saying, you know. As I said, we have to put on part of the heart for the house. Let our church sponsor follow-up material, printed material for fifty thousand new believers. Isn't that great? What a deal that is! You could almost call it a steal, but that wouldn't be right. It's not a steal; it's a deal. You take of what God has given to you. He, it's blessed by God. It's multiplied back to you. God gives seed to the sower. You, you sow and you reap. And and then it blesses the whole wide world. Oh boy, I tell you, that's great. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, the funniest thing is happening right now. It just hit me like a bolt of lightning. I'm supposed to, uh, you know, this is the, this is, we haven't been for several years doing this heart for the house, and we're going to do it in a moment. And we usually have a seven or 10 week emphasis We mentioned it once and I'm going to, I mentioned it again now and we can respond. But you know what? The Holy Spirit is here right now meeting all kinds of needs. There are all kinds of needs being met. Isn't it amazing? We can preach about mammon and people get healed. Oh, you don't think so? But people are being healed here right now. I learned one thing. You know, Jesus didn't have to preach about healing for people to get healed. He preached all kinds of things. told about all kinds of things. But it just hit me right now. It's almost like the Spirit of God said to me, no, no, we're going we're gonna to talk about heart for the house in a moment, but you know, Jesus is healing people here right now. There's a beautiful love of God flowing to you right now. Are you ready to receive that? Or did you think that the Holy Spirit depends on whatever sermon topic the preacher has chosen? That he's kind of locked up in handcuffs so that unless Pastor Peter chooses a topic of faith and healing, then the Holy Spirit can't heal anybody. No, Jesus is here right now. And I want to tell you, I'm going to take the next three minutes and I'm going to speak healing words over you. There are people here who have great pain across your chest right now. I want you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward because this is going to be fast service. This is going to be like In-N-Out Burger here. You're going to just come in, receive it, and you got it. Amen. You have problem in your chest and your breathing. Please stand up quickly, quickly. You have had congestion in your lungs, problem in your breathing, and I announce to you that Jesus Christ is here to heal you. Keep standing. Keep standing right now. There's about another five of you. There are others, somebody who has damaged your ankle, uh, your ankle and some happened you it's, it's fractured or swollen or damaged somehow would you stand up right now Jesus Christ is healing you somebody else has arthritis or rheumatism maybe it's not even diagnosed but you have a stiffness in your joints it's become uncomfortable even some things that you used to do, uh, writing, you kind of have to really focus on that. Jesus is healing you from that arthritis and from that rheumatism. Jesus Christ is here right now. Stand up wherever you are right now. Jesus Christ is your healer. Someone else, has had a trembling in your left hand and your arm, trembling, and you say, well, it's just age. And maybe that would be an explanation, but I tell you, Jesus Christ and his healing power is greater than age. You say, well, it's just age. Well, you can choose to do that, or you can say, I'm going to give the Lord Jesus Christ my heart and my faith to say, Jesus, I humbly stand here to receive from you. Would you stand up right now? Okay, we got about 20 people standing all over this room. I'm going to pray a healing prayer. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is healing people right now. And I want everybody else to say, why didn't you mention my trouble? It's because you're going to have to have a little bit more faith than the others. You're going to stand up without me mentioning your trouble. So anybody who is sick, get on your feet right now. Whatever it is, you liver your heart, whatever, get up. This is a healing moment right now. Two out of my three minutes are gone already. Stand up and everybody else, reach out your hand. Lord Jesus, I thank you for reminding me how many times you preached and taught on a various number of topics and then you immediately begin to heal the sick. I thank you for reminding me of that in this very moment and right now by the authority of Jesus Christ. I speak to sickness. I speak to pain. I speak to cancer and arthritis and leukemia and and every other disease, uh, cluster, headaches, whatever it is, diabetes. I speak to sickness in the name of Jesus to bow for the name of Jesus. And I say in the name of Jesus Christ, RECEIVE YOUR HEALING RIGHT NOW. JESUS CHRIST HEALS YOU. LIFT UP YOUR HAND AND GIVE HIM PRAISE ALL OVER THIS ROOM. LET'S GIVE JESUS PRAISE. HE IS YOUR HEALER. HE IS YOUR DELIVERER. JESUS CHRIST IS YOUR HEALER. OH, IT'S BEAUTIFUL. COME ON, ANOTHER 15 SECONDS. JUST THANK GOD FOR HIS HEALING POWER. THANK GOD FOR HIS HEALING POWER IN THE NAME OF JESUS. I'M GOING TO MOVE VERY FAST. WE TAKE MORE TIME IN THE AFTERNOON SERVICE. How many are aware that Jesus Christ healed you? Something happened in your body. I want you as a thanks and an honor to Christ, wave your hand right now. How many can say, Something happened to me? Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Let's give Jesus a big <laughs> praise for that. Hallelujah. I want to enlighten you. I want to enlighten you. Maybe your mind, you know, all of our minds become darkened. And we don't see how much God loves us. We don't see the privilege of being kingdom people, of being kingdom people who are not under mammon or any other idolatry or slavery. But we are members of the kingdom of Jesus. And Jesus said, Except the person is born again, he can't even see it. It's too much too much for the brain. Unless you're born again, you can't even see it. So if you say, I don't know where I'm at in this, but you say, I'm not so sure that I know Christ. I'm not so sure about that my sins are forgiven. Or I want to be restored to God. Would you give me a signal? Because I'm going to pray another prayer just in one minute. If you say, Peter, I want to be included. I want to receive this new life and the forgiveness of sin. I know in spite of anything that has happened, I'm enlightened to the fact that God loves me and receives me now, and I'm responding to that. Lift your hand way up high. How many want to be included? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. In the back way over here. Everybody pray with me. You can stay seated. Say, Lord Jesus, I turned from my dead religious works, I cannot save myself, but I believe Jesus took my sins, rose again, and I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Come and live in me. Amen. Oh, give the Lord Jesus big praise for that. That's so important. Come on, clap a little bit more. That's so super important. That's so super important. Thank you, Jesus. Then everybody lift up. Your, first of all, you have material there. You see that you can go to the Welcome Center and receive that. But now everybody lift your hand. I want you to lift your hand like you are commanding an army. I want you to lift your And say like this. In the name of Jesus, I declare by my actions and by my words that mammon is not my God. I hate mammon. I despise mammon. I love God. I love God's economy. I love the ways of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, praise God. So once we see this, we can go out and really prosper. So what are we going to do? Well, we, have, we didn't do it during this thing for the two years because it just didn't seem like we could get everybody together. We never have everybody together. But we're now in a heart for the house campaign. We, we just get started. You know, a few people made commitments. Thank God. But we need everybody to get involved. If You say, I don't have much. Well, you're the special candidate. Commit a dollar a day. Commit $10 a day. But some can commit 100000 or 10000 but everybody get involved especially if you don't have much don't believe the lie I don't have much Jesus says you are the special candidate because the one who has little is the one that God wants to show I can give you more (laughs) so you're included I didn't tell the story how I started giving nickels and dimes you know nickels and dimes you could have despised that some probably would have if they'd known but I gave it to God I wanted to be included SO USHERS, IF YOU WOULD GIVE EVERYBODY ONE MORE TIME, WE MIGHT DO IT, THIS MIGHT BE THE LAST TIME, OR MAYBE ONE OTHER TIME, BUT I CAN'T GUARANTEE THAT, IF YOU COULD JUST GIVE THAT SPECIAL LITTLE uh, HEART FOR THE HOUSE FORM, GIVE IT TO EVERYBODY, GIVE IT TO EVERYBODY. IF THEY DON'T, COME ON USHERS QUICKLY NOW, I NEED YOU TO MOVE QUICKLY, WAVE RIGHT NOW, EVERYBODY USHERS DOWN EVERY AISLE, Uh, IF YOU DON'T HAVE THE BROCHURE, OR IF YOU NEED the, THE LITTLE FORM THAT WE FILL OUT TO MAKE THIS COMMITMENT, THIS IS THE TIME TO DO IT. Right now, for example, the truck is ready to go to Ukraine. We're ready to send it to those pastors in eastern Ukraine. We're ready to give it to them. But we need we need people to say, we we're with you in this heart for the house. We're ready to go. It's ready to roll. But friends, you know, we make a choice. And so I'm going to ask you to, and uh, maybe I could see that Nathan there. Thank you. Thank you. you. You make a choice. What can we do now? We started this on April the 10th. So some weeks have already gone by. But maybe you want to give weekly or monthly or just say by june 5th pentecost sunday i'm going to do such and such i'm going to do such and such see we step into god's economy i know you're listening to it now inflation is going up interest rates are going up this is a good time to be on god's economy you know historically The greatest financial miracles in the church have happened in the times when society was in the greatest financial chaos. By the time I give you examples, that is when people step out and believe God. And so let's hear, just right now, have an opportunity to give to heart for the house. You see all the different things that were there that we are giving to? Anybody else need this form? Lift it up way up high. Lift your hand way up high. All right? And... uh, We have a red envelope there. It'll be this Sunday and then on June the 5th and maybe one other Sunday, we'll have that red envelope. Otherwise, we're not going to have it. This is an eight-week special emphasis. We are believing God, and I hope we'll say yes, that everybody will be involved to do all the things that were listed here in this brochure that Pastor Nathan so beautifully presented. Now we can go to help that Bible school in Papua, that's been running in secret because we were afraid, how could we handle all the people? We need some help to do some things, facilities here. We have so many students. We have now, I just saw this week from Facebook alone, we had 45 requests this week that came in, 46 I think it was, just this week, not counting the hundreds that have come before. People are interested. But do we want to be the home church of something great like that. How many want Toronto Celebration Church to be the home turf of something as great as that, a school that touches the whole country? Give the Lord a big praise. Well, then, then God has every reason to give us more, but we have to participate. So do, do, do what, what you can do and what your faith is able to grasp. Sometimes we know what we can do, but then our faith says, I'll give you more. So we go for that. So fill that out right now. Put your name, address, phone number. And I commit to give weekly. Maybe you have that form there, monthly and one time. And then put that into the red envelope. And let's see our church be great. Let's see our lives be great. Let's imagine more. Heart for the house, imagine more. Let's go for it. Let's do it. I I want to see what the response is. Like I said, you know, it just so happens this week I received word this morning that, that a huge huge truck ready to go but we, we need to step up we could have that help by Wednesday or Thursday we could be in East Donbass with those pastors who already been persecuted for years long before the war started we could help them wouldn't that be beautiful can I hear an amen to that alright so let's give right now how do we do this Nathan we pass the buckets again Okay, okay, okay. So, Father, I thank you. Everybody lift up your hand right now. Thank you for great faith, great willingness, great joy. If anybody feels grumpy and sorry, Lord, assure them that they don't have to participate. But for those who are joyous and happy, I thank you for more joy in Jesus' name. So let's rejoice right now, amen. Let's give to God. And so, ushers, if you come, let's pass this out. I want us to sing the happiest song that you can think about. Can you think of a happy song? We're going to rejoice. We are a part of God's kingdom. Mammon's power is broken. We hate mammon. We despise mammon. It's never going to get you over the top. But God's economy will. Praise God. So let's just just get those instruments going here. Have you found the song yet, Jermaine? Come over here, Jermaine. What song have you chosen? Rejoice again. I say rejoice. Never heard of that one before, but let's do that one. All right. Rejoice, rejoice. And and uh, you can go to the debit machine. Tynas tried to tell me. Oh, the envelopes. Oh remains We prepared an envelope already. She said, you are holding on to our envelope. Oh, forgive me, Lord. Thank God for a good wife. She says, aren't you going to give what we decided we're going to give? So there it is. You better get that offering. I don't know she's making sign languages. What's she talking about? And I had our offering right here tucked away. No, we want to give it. Amen. Okay, rejoice. Let's sing that. Pastor Nathan's going to be at the door. Come back for the afternoon if you want to. God bless you. Let's rejoice.